Jeff, your enthusiasm for, for this show and saying that you're excited, I really would hate to hear you talk about something that really depressed you. <laughs> I could start talking about you. That would depress me. Jeff Bodine, <laughs> when, like, when he was like six, caught a really debilitating uh, illness that left him with a really just barren monotone for the rest of his life. So that's just like natural Jeff speak. <laughs> is this and I saved my enthusiasm for short bursts. It's kind of like a Mario <laughs> star, you know. When you hear the music in the background, you know my energy is about to go way up. <laughs> and that star is called Coke. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> indeedly do, neighbor. Oh yeah, Diet Coke too. Uh, <laughs> uh, to this episode, what's, we're going to be talking about what's the difference. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, one rots your teeth, I guess. You are listening to Party at the All Points, a journey through the competitive realms of Age of Sigmar. And now your hosts, Dayton Obrey, Jeffrey Bodine, and Price Van Welcome everyone to Party at the All Points, episode 14 now, because technically 13 was the short episode that I did last week. But uh, with me today are my co-hosts, thankfully, god damn it, don't make me run an episode by myself again, ever again. Uh, Jeff, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, buddy. I, uh, you know, looking forward to the show, glad that we're ready and back to recording. Uh, Price, how are you, sir? Uh, doing good. Got settled into the new house. Have internet hooked up here now and starting to get unpacked. So doing pretty well. Can't complain. Yeah. Said Jeff. goodbye to the can on a string. Okay. Yep. Yep. Got Carrier got, pigeons got are next. Uh, Slaves to Darkness will be our topic for tonight. We're going to go back into list developments and talking about a faction. Uh, it's been a little bit since we talked about one other than the Stormcast, but we really didn't talk lists too, too much. Uh, so yeah, we're going to break through no guest hosts. I think we can handle this one ourselves. It's just nice to bring in some new faces once in a while, just to spread the name. It's advertising. It's what we do, but yeah. Uh, any hobby news going on there, Jeff? Um, let's see. AOS related. I'm, I'm, uh, going to contemplate running a slow grow league area. Um, we'll see. I'm going to gauge for interest pretty soon. But um, as far as uh, my personal ventures, um, no real progress. Um, I've got my Vanguard list and just been kind of, the AOS world has been a little slow of late. So uh, my activity has mirrored that slowness. Yeah, you've been hard into 40K, the game we shall not yeah. speak of. Yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about that, so it makes it sound like I haven't been doing anything, but I've been elsewhere. I played a shitload of Vermintide. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you fucking mastered that. It's like, here, Jeff, look at this game. And you're like, cool. Well, I'm Max 35 and all my players. Man, it's been like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man. Over yourself, Price, what have you been up to? Um, got a lot of the house fun packed, which is nice. I uh, started building uh, some Dracoff calves that I've had hanging out in a box for like six months. 
now that I have a uh, space again to do some work. I also picked up uh, Arrow Slagmist from Necromunda for no reason other than I want to paint him. He's like that cool bounty hunter looking dude with the like the, the wide brim hat. Oh, okay. No, he's got like the wide brim hat and like the pistol. Yep. Um, so I picked that guy up from Forge World for Necromunda, not because I care about Necromunda or anything, but because he's a cool model and I wanted to paint him. Uh, and then I think after that, one of the one of my next big projects is kind of sort of revitalizing my Cities of Sigmar list. So there's a lot of cool changes that we've talked about in the past couple episodes with changes to Stormcast, Keratin Overlords, and some things like that. And so I want to really get back in and start to write lists for cities again so that I can get a list that I'm excited and want to start working towards. And then myself, I've been putting together a lot of Seraphon models. I pretty much collected everything I need for a decent army. I've run a couple of little trial games against one of my buddies who's learning how to play the game. And I think I'm going to probably finish assembling them and then put them down and work on my daughter's decay. Cause <laughs> I'm surprised that with your busted knee, you were able to catch the bandwagon that quickly. <laughs> I just it went by me so fast. I just I, I caught on. Yeah, I'm not drinking tonight, by the way, because I'm on antibiotics, and I figure I shouldn't mix. So if you uh, if you sense anything different about me, it's it's called alcohol, and I don't have any in my system. Turns yeah. out I got, he'll, he'll only have to go to the bathroom one time. <laughs> I'm drinking tea right now. I'm sure I got two of me. But yeah, I caught herpes in my knee from a wound. Uh, for all your dog loving enthusiasts out there, I hope there's lots. Uh, do not let your dogs lick your wounds. Uh, turns yeah. out in the middle of the night, my one dog was like fucking licking and chewing at my scab. And I think that's what attributed to my knee deciding to get herpes. So uh, yeah, emergency medical visit, a bunch of IV antibiotics and pus and goodness for Papanurgal all over the place. And uh, yeah, one day off of work and I'm limping around. But uh, no, I'm still... Still trying to get hobby in. I uh, played a game the other night with uh, my buddy, The Slaves of Darkness. Made him up a list. Actually, the list I'm going to talk about tonight. So uh, I'll get talk about that a little bit more and how I thought it ran. But he's still like a pretty newbie player. So in the hands of a professional, I think it would actually be pretty scary. And something actually I would kind of like too. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm supposed to be playing in a tournament this weekend, but my shift for my work changed so unfortunately i won't be able to attend that which is actually really disappointing disappointing but i guess good uh covid numbers are starting to climb quite a bit in our area uh, within bc and alberta canada in general so maybe it's good to go back into old habits and hide again for a little while at least <laughs> yeah yeah things are going and the school starting next week too so that's yeah another fun part um uh, while we're talking about hobby, uh, I do want to bring up the preview that we had last weekend. Uh, not that we're normally like a big like news and reveals podcast, but I thought they showed off some really cool stuff. I'm personally really excited about the uh, Warcry Catacombs expansion. Uh, the Dark Elf Warband in that looks really fucking cool. Thank you. I was getting dead air. I was on uh, streaming with Rob for his 12-hour stream. I jumped on there for like the last three hours. But I was talking about them, and no one was really interested in them. I think they look fucking oh, they baller. Fucking I also like the Lords of Flame guys too. The like the Chaos Warband that comes yeah. with them. Like that dude with the uh, with like the two handed sword with the fire. Like I guess he's kind of their boss. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I, they make such cool stuff for that game. I'm like, I'm curious why they didn't put that zeal into the mainline. 
you know. Yeah, well, I think that the like because the the chaos the chaos war bands or the chaos groups for AOS are kind of blah. You know, I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> all of you your about, like, the, which one are you talking about? Like those chaos. Uh, I mean, I know they're they're part of the army, but are you talking they, about the other Warcry war bands? Yeah, I like those, man. I think most of those are really cool. That's um, my point. They're war cry bands that have been rolled into AOS. Oh, well, where's the, I, where's the zeal for for just straight up AOS? Let's. I think part of it, you know. right, is that it's a a it's two different studios that work on most of these things. But also, like yeah. I argue, I would argue in this case, in defense of sort of Games Workshop's thought process here, it's smaller ranges, right? So it's a lot easier to do really like big flashy stuff when you only have to design nine models to fit the aesthetic instead of trying to design an entire army range. Cause like the counterpoint is we saw Lumineth realm Lords, which as an army has maybe what, like six kits total. If that, like, I think it's probably tough when you have to do the whole range and have to make the whole thing fit versus like this war cry war band, right? Is 10 dudes. And so you get to make these 10 dudes really rad because you don't ever have to design anything to fit in their aesthetic again yeah um so i think that's probably part of it um as uh, everyone knows this is also uh a side podcast of warhammer underworlds which is uh my personal uh, enjoyment <laughs> uh, so i'm pretty excited about dire chasm um some slanesh mortals in there some rad lumineth realm lords also i don't know if you guys looked at it but like there's a really cool uh comedian skink they showed off and yep. his quiver with his like the, he keeps his his darts in darts, yeah. is like a toad strapped to his hip, like yeah. an actual like frog. And I haven't seen thought like that since uh, Sylvaneth. Yeah, um, and with I laugh bugs a lot. with the little bugs that hold the uh, all the arrows. Yeah. yeah, and then of course like the new uh, dual box of Slanesh versus daughters of Cain is really cool i love the that new daughters models looks so good i like the slanesh champion well I there we like, go let's go half first i mean the guy looks amazing there's no I doubt about that know. did I, you see I that teaser thing there was a teaser thing on, i'm sorry to interrupt you there's a teaser thing on facebook today um from the warhammer community about speculating about um storm stormcast leaving the soul forge on un, yeah unoccupied and what will yep. happen and that basically, you just translate that straight to um, the Stormcasts are going to get shit on real soon. So that's good. Uh, Slanesh. Yay. I don't know. I guess probably, they'll probably keep Slanesh with the elves. Yeah. Slanesh We're going to go narrative. Slanesh's storyline is very like entwined with the elves and the elven well, yeah, gods. They, they fucked him hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also, yeah. I mean, they're the ones who trapped him and like he ate them or their souls previously. Yeah. So, I mean, he's well, starting think, to mirror 40K. Um. No, I imagine that they'll continue to lean into Nagash as the primary antagonist for uh, for the Stormcast because Nagash's whole bit is that he thinks all the souls should be his. And so yeah. he thinks, he obviously feels like Sigmar is a traitor for stealing souls that he feels like are rightfully his in death. So. And I just want to point out that Nagash betrayed him first. That's true. Nagash is a He's the one that broke the Grand Alliance. The big old dummy. So the deal also, was off. Yeah, they had a chance uh, to defeat oh. Chaos, and he threw it away because he's evil. Yeah. He's more evil than Chaos, if he's that's also, possible. He's also just dumb. That's why he gets fucked by Skaven all the time. Yeah, I hate Nagesh. Uh, like, for all our audio listeners there, that's uh, I'm an on-call firefighter as well, and that is a fire call. If it oh. wasn't for my bum knee, I'd be responding. 
There you go. Oh, so I can't turn that off. So sorry about that. <laughs> well, you mean you can't? You're not allowed to silence the fire alarm. What do you mean? Yeah, would, on yeah. my phone. I'm just saying on my phone. <laughs> like I, my app to call me to respond to a call. Even if my phone's on silent, it will. No, that's uh, fair. I, I totally understand why. It that is that's... in the in the context of being glad that that's the case. Uh, to pivot, I picked up some Drake Spawn Knights as well. Yeah, got my hands on them. So just because I really hate the Seraphon, yeah, uh, riders. Yeah, that's what I say. The new style kit. Um, that came out when they re-released Dark Elves last time is a really, really cool kit. Yeah. yeah. I went through a bunch of my hobby stuff looking for things that I needed for other armies. And um, I found out that I have probably almost, almost two full different style Slaves to Darkness armies that I could throw together right. if I wanted. Nice. Tons of Marauders. Well, there you go. Start an army. You and Price can just bang off each other. That's weird, man. I don't, I don't want to talk about banging, Jeff. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. I don't know. That beard is looking pretty good. I'm a handsome dude, all right? I don't want to hear it. Look, this has nothing to do with, with Bodine from a physical standpoint. This has everything to do with the fact that Bodine uh, would have to be the most selfish level, lover that you've ever had. Like I just Actually, think, that is not true. I'm a very I, generous lover. I don't believe you in the slightest. Um, well, you, you'll never find out, will you? <laughs> well, Jeff is hands down more handsome than any Australian I've ever met. So. Oh, that's hey. true. Yeah, I actually, actually, you know what? The beard really does suit me. I, I, I've always preferred being being bearded hidden so. <laughs> no, i just you know what it frames out my jaw nicely so uh we have some reader or uh, listener questions for tonight as well hey oh, oh that's exciting questions. all right uh, uh con some idiot into asking us stuff i know right we got three people don't don't get her of herself here <laughs> oh, oh. uh dane who always likes to ask a question good old follower Asking, will KO become top dogs now thanks to the points changes? I think that they uh, are in a very strong position. Um, the book was already pretty good in that it played a lot of mobility, had strong shooting, uh, and then uh, obviously it just got cheaper, right? So it's a, a, a stand-up book with a lot of really good tools, and now it's less expensive, so you can fit more of those tools in. Um, I Oh, more fires in Canada. Um, Canada's on fire. You heard it at Party at the All Points first. Um, oh, it seems. But yes, I think that I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're like the top tippity top top tier, but they're a very strong book. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've What's already kind of is... seen it a little bit too, right? With uh, tournaments starting to roll again. Yeah. Um, they're 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 doing well. They're Kale fascinating. Is something you have to build a list for now, for sure. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. I'll let you I was just going to say they're a really fascinating army. Um, so many armies either play to a combination of taking objectives while simultaneously destroying the, the opponent. KO are very much obliterate the opponent, and then after they're dead and gone, there is no contest for it, then they take the objectives. So they just play really differently. Like they start out uh, points-wise probably on the back foot in the early turns. Yeah. And then surge late. Yeah. Strong. Uh, because then what's, how, they, how they function is they obliterate the opposition and then 
take the objectives unopposed, whereas other armies have like either they just take the objectives and don't worry so much about offense or they take the objectives while simultaneously having to kill the enemy and have just enough guys to hold the objectives kind of style. They're a really polarized army. So they're just interesting. They're well, they, a game that revolves around support heroes. They can systematically take out those key figures. Yeah. yeah that, and they themselves aren't as support hero dominated. Um, their nope. heroes are interesting. They can do some cool stuff, but it's not like some armies where they debuff more than anything. Yeah. So that's a that's another strong point in favor of the army is that in a current shooting meta, they don't rely on the support heroes like other armies do. Yeah, yeah, you can get to They're like minus good. three hitting against them from yeah. all their heroes stacking on you, which is just fantastic. Uh, and they mess with how you play, like in your when you're facing them, they mess with how you play. So that just adds to their power so much. They're an interesting uh, we got, army. We got Sam Thompson from Australia. Hey. Uh, yeah. Uh, what part of the hobby do you wish you had more time for? Gaming, painting, etc. And then the side question is, when when you join Nathan's burlesque show, what's your outfit going to be? I'm assuming that's aimed at price. Uh, so let's start with a burlesque outfit. Um, that's tough. <laughs> uh, I know what burlesque is, but I've never thought about what I would wear. Um, Something with feathers. Yeah. Uh, Wait, have you never seen a burlesque show? Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. Um, I just haven't ever thought about like yep. what I what my costume would be. Um, I don't know, man. I think you know, like something like a really like strappy halter top with just some like bright colored feathers to pop is probably where I'm at. Because uh, I'm gonna do it, and you're gonna see it. I don't want you to sleep well for the rest of your life, and so <laughs> I'm gonna make sure you don't. There will be a giant martini glass in the middle, yeah. and he'll be sitting in it. Yeah, I'd probably do like a Star Wars theme, so probably like a scout trooper outfit with just a couple pieces of armor strategically placed on my body. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, those slowly come off, and then I'd probably have, uh, I don't know, like a, like a, you know, like the little pistol, little scout pistols they carry, you know, the tiniest gun in the whole universe. That would be what be covering my junk, because that's all you need. <laughs> Side note, I used to appreciation there. I used to bartend at a bar and we had burlesque every Sunday. It was the greatest night to uh, bartend. That's neat. The greatest people, the nicest people you ever meet show up for burlesque. It's a it's a neat art. Yeah. Funny, funny Very people for so. sure. Uh so what part of the hobby do you wish to have more time for? Um I wish I had more time to game, because that's unfortunately the one thing that's taken away from me. I get all the time in the world to paint other than my family and jobs. Uh, but yes, I wish I had more time to game because uh, honestly, the games I get in that are really good are the ones at tournaments and that's not how you should go into it. <laughs> I think uh, what I wish I had more time for and like COVID notwithstanding is I wish I had more time and or more capacity to get to more AOS events because I'm pretty fortunate in that my schedule and everything allows me a pretty decent chunk of time to engage in your basic hobby. I can play games in the week. I can, I can do my painting and stuff like that. Uh, the biggest thing for me is I just, uh, I don't have a lot of the sort of time and access to being able to go to, you know, the really fun one day tournaments that often can drive your hobby. Um, so I, I guess, you know, time and accessibility for more just local fun one day type stuff. 
because we just don't have much in the region. Well, I mean, <clears throat> we're in the same region. I, I would be inclined to agree with that. Um, what's nice about attending those events, at least for me, is stimulus to do both. You know, so like that gets me motivated to get my stuff painted. And, you know, obviously you get games to appreciate um, just you know, like get sharp for the, for the event. So yeah, I'm with him. I, uh, I like trophies and mess events. So bummer. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we have one more question from Sunice, and he asked kind of an interesting one. Actually, i thankfully had a little bit of, wow. Even with the advanced notice, I still couldn't really think of one, but uh, what's the one that got away for y'all? A mini gone to the sands of time that you can never you never got and can't sell a kidney for. Mine's uh, Greasus Gold Tooth. So yeah, what's the one mini that you wanted <laughs> that you I know just what never I would get your say. hands on? All right, Jeff, start us off. Uh, for mine, it's a 40k model. Um, the, the female Catechin officer that they did as a new store opening model. Yeah. I have a fully painted Cadogan army and I'm not like all these other idiot douchebags who are like, women don't belong in the game. So, you know, I thought that she was amazing and the model was just so awesome. And I really wanted one. I emailed GW begging, offering to pay anything they wanted. Wouldn't do it. So, and they're like, you know, if you can even find them, they're like $200. It's just, you know, I would have paid, but not that much. So that's the one that got away from me. I really wanted it. And I made sure I got the Colonel when he came out. The one with the power uh, fist and the predator leaf. Yep. Yeah. When yep. Jeff says, uh, y'all for the girl talk, we, we all on this podcast, except females in our gaming. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that was, that was not intended to be anything other than an obvious as uh, I sit here, inclusion. that was the royal y'all, not yeah. not uh... yeah, <laughs> yeah. I sit here. I, I traded off my Stormcast army to Cody, but I kept the one female uh, Stormcast girl, the one with her helmet off, and she has the hammer yeah. over her shoulder while she's holding the oh. shield. That's like one of the best models I've seen. Half the models in the army are female. Yeah, no, for sure. But I just uh, she's uh, just like I a mean, really like it. yeah. She's a really good. As soon as uh, as soon as actually Shadespire came out. That was the first time I noticed that they had, you know, a Stormcast female. One of the three yep. of the Stormcast team was female. And then after that, that was kind of like the dam broke. And then it was like, you know, about half and half. Half dude, half female. Yeah, there's no reason not to have both, right? Of course not. They're all heroes. Yeah. So they got, they're all capable of incredible bravery. So, uh, yeah, man, it was cool. And she would have been awesome for my army. Absolutely awesome. Uh, so yeah, it really hurts my ass that I didn't get it. So it's not necessarily gone to the sands of time. It's just a really hard out model to get off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. totally out of reach. How about you, Price? You got anything? anything uh, yeah, absolutely. I, there's a this is very easy for me. It's uh, Cordell Shorgar, uh, who was the standard bearer of the Swords of Chaos uh, back in the Storm of Chaos campaign for Warhammer Fantasy Battles. He was a limited edition battle standard bearer. Um, it's a fucking awesome model with a, he has like a shield. He's holding his ax like in his, under his shield and he has his helmet. The, my favorite part about the model, uh, what's is his name? He has, his name is Cordell Shorgar, K-O-R-D-E-L-S-H-O-R-G-A-A-R. 
Um, I still, like I said, I know his name to this day because it's one of my favorite models. Um, and uh, he, he, the coolest part about him is his helmet was up, so his face was exposed. Uh, he had his helm like flipped up. Uh, you can still find them every once in a while, but like the the ones you can find, a lot of times have been put together poorly. It's also it was made of you know standard GW white metal, which over time, especially if it hasn't been kept in the blister, a lot of times by the time you get your hand on it, it's just been demolished from being moved around. And I don't know that I want to pay 105 to 110 dollars for a model and not know the condition that it'll be in. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's 100 percent uh, that one for me. Mine is a more recent one that I've just never been able to get in my hands on, um, which would be the Night Haunt Guardian of Souls. Yeah, the guy with the the yeah. Uh, lantern. Yeah, the alternate uh, yeah. sculpt of him. Yeah, that has rules. But you only get the rules if you have the model. And it's just another one of those stupid freaking GW things that impossible to get a hold of, yet has amazing rules, and everyone would want them. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. they decided for whatever reason to, uh, to – it was a Warhammer or a Warhammer World exclusive. But for – and at least now you can't use them in match play because I think they finally moved him out of it. Uh, but for a little while, it was, like, really frustrating because he was the better version of that particular model, and you couldn't get him if you didn't couldn't go to Warhammer right. uh, World. Yeah. That's it. That's all our questions for tonight. Thanks for tuning in for that. I gave short notice. Thanks for the questions, guys. Yeah. Good on you guys gonna, for stepping up. I'm going to check out an honorable mention model here um, that uh, I actually just managed to get my hands on that I'm really excited about uh, was mm. the 2013 AOS Games uh, – fantasy games they model which was marco colombo and like he's this rad looking uh <laughs> this rad looking explorer holding like some kind of lizard man relic they've done two versions of the models of him uh and they did one for games day and i got my hands on it that's really fucking neat raping and pillaging the lizardman makes sense pretty much yep <laughs> just like marco colombo give it but to yeah. me lizard <laughs> Uh, right, we'll go jump into Slaves of Darkness then, I guess, after this break. Do you find yourself lonely, depressed, tired? Do you sleep too much, eat too little, party too much? Have you found yourselves trapped in the jaws of ruthless capitalism, just grinding away at your soul? Well, that sucks. Here at Rage of Sigmar Podcast, we can't cure any of those problems, but we can sure fucking feel them too. Tune in now, Rage of Sigmar Podcast. But yeah, those Warcry models look awesome. That board is phenomenal. Yeah, it's just a cool like overall theme and everything. The the catacombs and like playing in it, it's fucking cool. Yeah, I wish I cared more about that stuff. I just it's a don't. It's a really Warcry's good game. Fun. Warcry's yeah. Fun. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I don't have anything negative to say about it other than that it just, I feel cheated from an AOS point of view that they put all this effort into a a tertiary game and not not the main line. It has to be good though because this is the easier rule set to get people into the bigger game. Yeah, and it actually is surprisingly good at that. Like of, of all the games they've ever done where they're like, hey, this is a great way to get new people in the game. This one's actually pretty good at... Yeah at doing it, uh, mostly because you can use a lot of the models from it in it pretty effectively. Um, 
I'm super pumped about Dire Chasm because I've been really getting excited about Underworlds. And so to be able to kind of buy into and start at the start of a new season is going to be a lot of fun. How does yeah. it compare to Mordheim? Uh, Warcry? Yeah. Um, very similar in some respects, but the campaign system is a little bit simpler and it plays better for people. It does a lot better than Mordheim used to do about not being able to, you know, in Mordheim, like if one guy could play five games a week, he would just like mm -hmm. steamroll because he would get so far ahead of everybody. Uh, the system doesn't really reward that type of play. Uh, well, in Warcry. You could just put a cap on it and be like, you don't get anything else, buddy. Um, but the system in Warcry, it allows you, the other thing that's cool is like, you and your opponent don't have to be at the same point in the campaign, basically, to both have a good time and play the game. Yeah, I'd say the biggest difference with it, Mordheim and Warcry, is Mordheim is honestly like a role-playing game made in miniature form with all the character developments that happen and the injuries mm -hmm. and how your guys move along. Warcry yeah. ditches all that, and it focuses more on the miniature skirmishing. Yeah. So okay. it's less out-of-game things. But to you still get, like... Off you do still get treasures and stuff and you can get like a lot of them are like one use magic items and stuff like that. And you do get some skills and stuff. It's just a more limited acquisition process than it was. In I loved Mordheim. Yeah, Mordheim oh, yeah. was so yeah. much fun. Have you played my, the war, game? my war band was the rich guys, the Marienburg yeah. guys. And, um, I, they became my, uh, my Warhammer fantasy, like, uh, huntsman. Yeah. That were like in the game, they were armed with bows, but all my dudes had like braces and pistols and shit, and just yeah. they Basically, just looked awesome. Another thing cool about Warcry too is um, they've like mixed the sexes, so like all the war bands are like pretty much down the center. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Jeff, have you played Mordheim on uh, Steam? No. It's actually really good and really really yet. hard. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's very much like Mordheim. Like I think like you like lose arms and limbs and stuff or oh great oh yeah i don't know i played i played with a softer sort and i i personally never intentionally killed the other guys guys i would defeat them but then make sure that i would not i would try not to make sure that they died like you're dead same thing with blood bowl you know like i would i never fouled or anything like that so i would always take it easy on my opponent and not kill their dudes. I would make sure that I won and get the experience that I wanted. But, uh, like, I didn't want to put them out of the game and be like, all right, fuck off. So you can't like play drop anymore because I kill guys. I didn't like doing that. It's like, you know, treat people how you'd want to be treated. So, yeah, but um, the, the that game is not the current climate. <laughs> the game doesn't play That is not the current though. climate. Now it's like <laughs> everybody around here is like super cutthroat and they'll like absolutely obliterate your whole team and like, all right, you're out for the season. You can't play anymore. You don't have enough people. I say one of the coolest things about Warcry is, is to start so. to start a match. It's really easy. Like you break up your warband into three groups, which is uh, hammer, shields, or hammer, dagger, and sword. Yeah, sword. Yeah. So then you split them up in that category. So and they have to be somewhat even. Uh, you can't stack one over the other, and then you draw cards that tell you where the terrain set up and then it tells you the objective of like how to win that match. And then like it staggers the deployment of the model. So you'll say like hammers and swords get to come on in these locations only, but daggers come in at another time or whatever. And it's different for each player. So it's, it's really cool. And then, and then it'll give you the, uh, like there'll be a twist 
as well that you can draw. So some sort of elemental factor that comes in play as well. Yeah. So to sit down and just play, like there's no forethought. You give the whole warband to your opponent, you got yours, you break them in those three groups, and then you just flip cards over and stack the terrain. It tells you where to put the terrain, and then you just go. So it's really quick. I've had games hammered out in like five minutes, and I've had some that last a half hour. depends on the mission. So yeah, it's very, and very, it's just very chaos. Cool. That bans though, right? Uh, no, chaos. no, you can. They have yep, card yeah. packs for all the other factions, but I will say, for balance purposes, the ones that are provided, like the chaos warbands, are the ones that are most balanced towards each other. Uh, Stormcast fucking demolished in that game. You have mm. one dude with a long strike crossbow, and that son of a bitch will kill, like everyone, a, will kill over half of the other warband. Yeah, same with orcs too, right? Because they got like 25 hit points health pool for their guys, which is just insane when everyone else is walking around with like eight and whatnot. I guess they weren't selling enough orcs. Well, yeah, yeah just, they it's just, orcs. yeah, they just threw in numbers, I think. I, they didn't really consider the balancing factor, I don't believe. Yeah. When they, they did, did it because they, they did it basically to be like, hey, <clears> we <throat> told you we'd put rules for everybody, so here you go. Here you go. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about Slaves of Darkness. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to cut out any of that stuff. It was all good talk. I mean, it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. <talk> <laughs> they want to skip past it? Sweet. They can skip, skip past to this part. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Slaves of Darkness uh, in general, take you through the faction itself and where they're kind of sitting or how they have been in the past. And uh, each one of us has wrote a list to be somewhat competitive or fun, depending on our viewpoint on how we want to play the game. So, yeah. We'll uh, go through it. Price, you want to take us through Slaves to Darkness? Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, we're talking about the army that is comprised primarily of mortal chaos. Uh, this is where your chaos, classic chaos warriors, knights, um, marauders all find home at. Um, it's uh, fairly, you know, organized like any other Age of Sigmar book. If you happen to be listening to us and you don't play Age of Sigmar, you're just getting started. Uh, it has several sub-factions, which are pretty cool. Um, you've got, uh, what, are the, what are they called? Hell, uh, do, 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 I apologize, guys. Ravagers Ballists. are organized around marauders, making new marauders. You have Cabalists, which are spellcasters. I uh, have the cool ability to like move endless spells and sacrifice uh, people to make their endless spells better. And then Despoilers, which is oriented around demon princes uh, and some making them slightly better or in some cases much better. And then, of course, Host of the Ever Chosen centered around the, the main man himself, Archeon. Um, his whole, it's a whole faction that's dedicated to running Archeon, which is pretty wild. I think it's the yeah. first faction that's entirely like special character uh, oriented. Uh, you have like, and when he says entirely, he means entirely. Yeah. It's it's the whole subsection. It's it's all everything. How Archeon involves and requires Archeon. Some <laughs> other cool things about the army as a general rule: you've got marks. Um, what that does is basically your general. All of your characters project an aura based on the particular chaos god they worship, uh, and that will impact friendly units that share that mark. And then your general has an added bonus on top of it, which is a really cool way to theme your army. But also what's neat is that you don't have to run a single mark to get the most out of it. If you have multiple heroes with multiple marks, you can spread that around and make different packages in your army, so to speak. So that's the bulk of Warriors of Chaos. They 
have, not Warriors of Chaos Lord, I've played too much Warhammer Fantasy, uh, Slaves to Darkness. They've kind of languished as a mid to low tier army for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Some people have had some success with them, particularly with some interesting Archean builds, um, some things like that. But generally speaking, they haven't been way up the list on the competitive side. A lot of their units maybe feel a little over-costed or a little under, uh, under-effective for their points cost. That said, it's a classic army. The model range is one of the most iconic model ranges in the Age of Sigmar range. And they're the bad guys. They're the classic bad guys of the Age of Sigmar realms and stories. So they're always going to have a fan base. And I, we've all seen the list that we're talking about tonight. And I think we're going to do a good job of showcasing, hey, even if this isn't a 5-0 and world beater, you're going to win every tournament you go to, you can play this book and get some good mileage out of it, have fun with it, and still win a few games. So... I think that's what we'll be showing off tonight and just talking about one of the things we will show off is a wide variety of lists and some of the different things you can do, which is a strong point of this book. There's a couple different ways to build this with some cool battalions and stuff. So we'll get to show that off. Yeah. The statistically they're like the worst army performance yeah. in tournaments. I'm not surprised. They're really, they're disappointing in my opinion. Um, and then they, they, came got out a, they got a new book in December. Yeah, uh, Wrath of the Ever Chosen, which I will be, my list is pulling some stuff from. Mine is Pure Slaves. So, ooh, hey. Yeah, that's the other thing we got to talk about this, too. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Shortening Slaves to Darkness is real hard to do. Shortening it to a phonically plausible, uh, a phonically plausible short name is difficult and there's no way you can say this without you know triggering somebody somewhere somehow we could call them stds which is pretty fun uh yeah i'm more acceptable with that at least that i understand better at least playing this army is your main thing will make you feel like you have a disease does that count we call them s2ds if you like that too yeah that's what i use when i'm typing s2d yeah that's my preferred uh, chat abbreviation as well so we could also just all call them warriors of chaos and confuse the hell out of people uh uh, aesthetic wise they are drop dead gorgeous they have some of the nicest range even their some some of them are yeah for the marauders are a a 20 year old marauders are (laughs) their their stepchild and that's like their main thing but (laughs) <laughs> you can use a lot of different models to substitute for yeah i, I will yeah. toss that out as a point one of the cool things about this list too or one of the cool things about this army is if you're interested in non gw models this is a great army for it because there's tons and tons of manufacturers out there who have made lots and lots of cool chaos models between marauders warriors knights so if you're interested in expanding past the GW range, this is a, a great army to do it with. So should we break into what lists we were thinking of? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Jeff, you want to lead us off? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, first of all, my list is a Ravager's list. And part of their gimmick, like Price discussed earlier, was that um, they center around the the barbarian hordes kind of feel. And um, their main thing, I would say, is that they can give all their heroes a command trait. 
and you can change which one of the, your heroes is your general every turn if you want. And they have a once per per battle per general command ability that lets you spawn a new unit, kind of like reinforcements that come into the onto the field. And I think it's actually literally called Rally the Tribes. And you can create new dudes, which is cool. Um, you cannot use demon princes for this, though. Uh, so it's kind of like a no demon princes allowed. Um, I did choose Ravagers. I really like the command trait spamming. It's really good. Um, and I have a battalion, which is the... I will give you the exact name. Just be patient. Uh, got it right here. Maybe. While he looks for that, uh, Price had a real hard time biting my tongue when you were talking about package and bulk of the army. <laughs> Bulky packages. Oh. Um, okay, it is the Ruinbringer Warband. And some of you with good memories will recall that I have dipped into this well before. When we discussed trying to use a unit that we perceived as bad, uh, which my selection was Marauder Horseman, um, I went to this detachment to try and get as much juice out of the squeeze. Well, guess what, kids? I'm back. Um, I think this is probably one of the better detachments in the book, in my opinion. Speed is so important in this game, and mobility, and being able to fly across the board is uh, very, very good. And doing mortals is more important than ever, especially when Seraphon line up against you. And if somebody happens to be taking um, a Bastilodon, for example, those mortals are going to be the only way you can hurt them. So uh, you can count your lucky blessings for having this uh, battalion. What it does is you, can, you have to choose between four and eight units of knights, chariots, Gorby's chariots, or marauder horsemen. And then you have to take one of either a Chaos Lord on a demonic mount or a Chaos Sword on a Karkadrak. And what they do is when they finish a charge move, you pick an enemy unit within one, and on a two plus, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So I took, for this composition, I took a Chaos Sword on a Karkadrak and four units of five men Chaos Knights with lances, one Chaos Chariot, one Gorby's Chariot, and two Chaos Marauder Horsemen with Javelins and uh, Shields, and the two Chariots have the Great War Blades. Um, the Chaos Lord on Karkadrak, I believe his equipment is fixed. Um, he's got a uh, an axe and a sword. And uh, so that is the battalion that I took, and I added on two more choices to make this a three-drop list. And it's a, actually a Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount, and then a Chaos Lord on a Manticore. And um, so that gives me, all three of those guys get command traits. The, the Chaos Lord on the Mount has the uh, Mark of the High Favored, which makes his radius be holy within 18 instead of 12. So it makes him really good for commanding the army, which is kind of what I want. Um, and also, I went solo god here. I went full-on marked corn because I'm just going to go... This is a high offense army. It is highly mobile. It is high offense. When I attack you, 
you, you the plan is for you to die irrevocably like there's i'm gonna spam you with mortal wounds and then anything that's left i'm gonna try to transcend some of their blahness on their stats with rerolls and modifiers um yep. chaos knights with lances hit on fours and wound on threes can i interrupt um, really and, quickly jeff sure i just wanted to go over what uh, r of corn does real quick if folks listening aren't aware mm-hmm. you get to re-roll yeah. ones uh to hit for mm-hmm. melee attacks if you're wholly within 12 inches of the any hero a hero yep and then in addition if the model is the general you get to add one to wound rolls uh, for wholly within 12 inches of the general or in jeff's case wholly within 18 sorry i just wanted to make sure that we got that out there so yeah what it did yeah, that was going to be my next point about modifying the the lances to be more effective. Gotcha. Because that guy's warlord or that guy's command ability is to give a unit plus one to hit. Yeah. And um, reroll charges. So you can have those guys hitting on threes, rerolling ones, wounding on twos. So that's uh, that's pretty good. And when lances charge, they become Ren two damage too. So that at least starts to add up a little bit. But honestly, when you have this many units making this many charges, the point is really more to trigger all these mortals, and not necessarily about any individual unit's combat potency. That's the exact opposite. What I'm really going to do with this list is charge as many units as I can into a unit and destroy it with mortals in multiple places and then have my one true combat where I want to go first, have fewer units and rely on the unit's combat potency to do it. So like the Lord on Karkadrak is actually quite a blender and his uh, his warlord trait lets him reroll his charges and he actually does an extra d3 of mortals when he charges so that's why i wanted him as part of that battalion so now he stacks two d3 mortals just him by himself and um he also really excels he excels against order uh the trait that i gave him lets him reroll his wounds in general but he also rerolls all of his hits against order units so he's gonna fly in there and just obliterate if you're order, he's just going to absolutely obliterate you. There's plenty of um, in the meta right now. so that's There are. So a there's thing. a good call for him. He's going to spam mortals and smash order. And he's designed to operate alone. So he will not be necessarily around anybody, but he can be. Um, and he'll be the guy who I would probably go to, either him or the mana core, to initiate the combat for the the actual fighting the other units are going to try and just swarm on targets and just kill them all with mortals and never what i don't want to do is get into an activation war with somebody because i'll lose but if i just smash you with mortals then there is no activation war i'm really only planning for one fight um the chaos lord on manticore he was a tough one to decide whether or not i wanted to give him the full rerolls against order or the dude on Karkadrag. The reason why I didn't is because against monsters, he already has some rerolls. Yeah. So I'm using him as kind of like, if there's somebody out there who's got like a big monster or something like that, he's going to beeline for him. And he's got, um, he's got the trait to give him plus two wounds. So he'll just 
try and last for a while and do as much damage as you can. Uh, and kind of his targeting is more selected towards bigger, bigger guys. Um, and once again, that'll be a matchup dependent thing where if I'm facing like a dragon or something like that, he'll be the guy that I spearhead with the charge and I'll make sure that the dragon dies before it can fight. You know, and I mean, in Price's case, his dragon fights pre-combat. But in that case, I might actually hit him with a million mortals and yeah. try and kill him that way because my mortals come after a charge is completed, not at the start of the fight phase or anything yeah. like that. Yep. So uh... I'm doing wounds. Like, if my plan works out, you're dead before I'm even in the fight phase. Yeah, you, you died in the charge phase. In the charge phase, which is yeah. always nice to activate in that... Uh in that phase instead. Yeah. And the Marauder Horseman can fall back and still charge. So there's a kind of like a bouncy ball effect there. So if I need to, I can just ride out, hit right back, ride out, hit right back. Um, and so he's got the plus two wounds. Um, the, uh, I already described the Karkadrak guy and, um, my quote unquote general, the one on the demonic steed who's never really his intention is never to really get into combat he's supposed to kind of drive the attack um but he can because he's still he's still he's still decent he's just not as good as a carcadrack um he's got the mark of the high favor like i said and i gave him the master of deception trait so that he's minus one to be hit with melee and it pairs well because he'll be around units so he'll be minus one to hit with shooting and minus one to be hit in melee so if you try to come at him he at least has some you know some defense and he's the one that I want to kind of keep alive in order to do my warlord or my command trade abilities and stuff like that. I did buy an extra, um, an extra command point for this list so that I can spam that plus one to hit and reroll charges in my knights to make sure that I'm getting the most out of those lances where appropriate. Um, and I can also use that ability to spam new units. Um, so I would have some marauders on the side that would kind of black out, block out my backfield and hold objectives for me that are in the back that I don't want to use my knights and stuff for. Yeah. Um, so I've got, a, I've got the extra command point and I have the battalion. So that means that I'm starting with three. So I could reasonably use one on turn one to spam a new unit. Reroll a charge if I want, but I'm, if I'm going first, I'm probably not going to have a turn one charge. So then I move kind of cagey. And then um, next turn, I pick a different dude for my warlord and spam a second unit. But the second one needs to be the the lord on demonic mount. So that way, that's where my Because I'm going to be expecting combat at that point. So... By turn two, I should really be in combat. So that dude needs to be my general in order to give my best buffs. But um, no sorcerers, Jeff. No, I decided. I thought about it. I really did. I was going to go Karkadrak, Lord on Manacore, Sorcerer on Manacore. But you can't take Corn. Yeah. So he would have had to have been Nurgle, which would be good because then he'd be minus one to hit. But um, he was. He would. And, you know, the spell that I was going to give him was going to help me in activation wars. Like, it's a 12-inch range, and it makes a target go last. Um, so then I could theoretically engage in two combats where I didn't have to have it set up to where I only have the one. Um, but it also encouraged me to combine units, because since he's a sorcerer, he can uh, have one unit reroll saves. 
So he wants to hug the main line. So he's going to be right there, but I don't really want him in combat. So he's this big dude on a mana core that wants to kill things, but I don't really want him in combat. So then it was like, well, you know, he's okay. He didn't. And also with the meta going the way it is, one spellcaster is never going to get the spell off. Um, so I just felt like, you know, yeah, it's cool and all, but honestly, another either just a dedicated cheap, cheap, cheap character to help me drive my army would be more useful and I can spend the points on creating another unit. My battalion is maxed. I can generate 11 D3 mortals if I get everything charging. Okay, that's 22 mortal wounds if I roll average. That's not bad. I mean, like, high elves can probably do more than that with half of their army in half a round. But um, still, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic there, but it's not too far off the mark. Um, Lumineth generate an insane number of mortals, but uh, considering that this army, all you have to do is just arrive and to trigger all these mortals and they're out of sequence. So you're jacking with the activation wars by just not participating. Um, so I really like it. Um, if this is a list that if, I mean, number one, I already own quite a bit of the parts for it because this is kind of what I was leaning towards. Um, and with, uh, with the, the Zinch guy, Gaunt Summoner, kind of getting whacked in the nuts. Um, it just validates moving away from him even more. Um, so, and for those that didn't realize, the pink unit that he can summon is now only five men instead of ten, which is why I say he took a shot in the, in the sack because he's now basically 110 points more on his costs for no benefit. Like the you already had it, now it's just 110 more. Hey Jeff, what about uh, Alan in uh, Bloodstoker? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's possible. I don't, uh, I didn't consider that angle. I kind of, what I, what I like about this list is that it's super fast, you know, nothing, everything can keep pace with itself. If I want to move around, everything has like the slowest thing in the army is Gorby's chariot at movement nine. So, I mean, these guys, if I want to cross the board, I'm there anywhere. I want to go. I'm there. I don't have to worry about keeping pace with a dude on foot. You know, my buffs are easy to, easy to maintain. 18-inch bubble from, uh, from the Demonic Mount guy. And I don't need to worry about getting him into combat. So I just kind of hug the line, move up, run, charge past him, get into combat. Yeah, I was just thinking because you really want to be able to get those charges off. And he's just yeah. better at so that. I can, I can make sure that I get two guys reliably into combat, two units. So, you know, with my speed, I'm going to be able to... You can't really kite me because I'm probably faster than you. So, you know, you can't, you can, you can avoid an engagement for one turn if you go first. But after that, if I want to be in combat with you, it's going to happen. So um, they're coming. And I mean, obviously, this list is vulnerable to shooting. I do have a little bit of shooting from the Marauders with the Javelins. Um, but uh it's just to give them extra some extra utility i can work them together on the same target uh and with those guys i think of um handgunners they're the they're the guys that are going to go run at the handgunners throw their javelins soften them up some kill as many as i can and then charge in and eat the shots and try and kill them because i don't want anything else taking those shots 
So uh, I think that pretty well covers what I'm doing and how I intend to play this. It's super fast. I really like that. Um, it dumps out mortals. And if you wanted to, if I wanted to, I could kill uh, Archeon before he even took a swing. Just mortal him to death. Like, he, he would had, die. He, he did. Yeah. I could kill that son of a bitch. He wouldn't even take a swing. <laughs> I totally could. I uh, I dig it. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit um, off the podcast. I think it's a really cool list. Uh, obviously, it sticks to a thing it wants to do, which enslaves or to darkness, since we are trying to avoid calling it Avoid <laughs> foot um, and mouth disease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Enslaves to darkness, I think one of the things you're often rewarded with, and you really should think about as a is really an army focus. It's not an army that gets to play around with a lot of different phases because of the cost. And so this army yep. makes a decision in what phases it wants to play and plays well in them. So I dig it. I think it's cool. Yep. This is movement and melee. Yep. Well, movement and charge, really. Yeah. And Chaos Knights are actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like that's on the charge. I, I picked they, the weapon that would be have the most explosive impact. You know, so if I get there, if I just if I ultimately end up making those those attacks, they are, you know, reasonably effective. Yeah. They do the most damage by the math. So yeah, it's there. I'm not intending to try and win an activation war, but if they live to do it, they will kill some stuff. One of the things too is this army is actually pretty durable. It's 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 got a lot of wounds. Yeah, it's got a lot of wounds, but it's got like a four up saves across the board, even for their heroes. Uh, a lot of them have five up ignore mortals, like after prevention saves. So, yeah, it's that's true. Yeah, if the, if the army if the opponent doesn't have a lot of rend, they actually become pretty annoying. Yeah, and the chariots actually do a delightful amount of uh, mortals. Yeah, like the chaos chariot. When I roll in, I make one die roll for every inch of charge range. And on a 5+, plus, I roll a dice. And on a 5+, plus, I do another mortal. So, you know, average charge 7, they add, they tack on another two mortals on top of their D3 for charging in. You know, so that's really good. And if I spike and have a high roll, I can, you know, that's that number goes up to 3 or 4. So, right. it's it's pretty good. I, I like it. And the... the the gorilla chariot uh, can actually be pretty gnarly, man. It's got a lot of attacks. Gore beast. Mm-hmm. Hey, it looks cool too. Those chariots are a pain to put together, though. <laughs> well, there's only one of each, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sweet. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to roll with. I believe I asked the group if anyone was running Archeon, and I'm pretty sure no one did. Price, you didn't. I did not. Nope. So yep. you've got the you yeah. got the Archeon list here. Uh, typically in 40k, I play Mortarion. I really like the whole idea behind buffing a really strong unit and just sending them towards the enemy, and either the enemy can deal with them and you lose, or they don't and you win. <laughs> I like <laughs> putting all my eggs true. in one basket. So I chose. Uh, I went with the host of the Ever Chosen. And just to go through that a little bit more in detail, I know it was mentioned before, but since I have Archeon, it makes it so much stronger than it is. <clears throat> so if he's on the field, everyone is just immune to Battleshock. Like, you don't have to take Battleshock for anyone as long as he's on the board. Uh, his command aura is 18 inches, which 
depending on, uh, I don't know if it was discussed before, but when you pick, take marks, your generals and your heroes have auras about them. And if they're close to units, so the one corn that Jeff went with was for hits, I believe. Hits and bonuses to wounding when you're near the general. Yeah, so the general gives you an additional on that. So I went pure I, I, one chaos god, which is Nurgle, which I feel is probably the strongest one in the book. And, uh, you know, this list isn't necessarily original. <laughs> it's, it's been being played out in the scene a little bit, and it's having some success. Uh, and in the hands of someone who's really good, I think it'd be pretty sweet. I had a chance to play against. I made this list, and then I, uh, I gave it to my buddy to play against me with my flesh eater courts. And he, if he capitalized on the turn that he was supposed to, it would have been a totally different game. But instead, uh, a really buffed up, Ghoul King on Terrorgeist can kill Archeon. But anyway, so everyone's immune to morale, like to uh, Battleshock tests. And then in the hero phase, uh, if Archeon's general is on the battlefield, you can pick an enemy unit on the battlefield. If you do so, you can reroll hit and wound rolls of one against that target. So that's just a free. There's just the whole theme behind this army is there's just a lot of free buffing. And you're going to be giving it to make Archeon just better. So there's another one. You don't have to depend on magic. It just you can do it, right? It doesn't even cost you a command point. And then uh, the command ability is probably one of the strongest command abilities in the entire game, which is you do it at the end of your hero phase. And it's only effective for the second round, obviously. But you roll a die and you keep it hidden from your opponent. And on a one to three, your opponent's going to take the first turn on the next, mat, on the next round. And on a four, five, or six, you get to take the first turn. So you get to know before time what the battle is going to be like. So you can dictate how you want to play based on knowing that fact. Like it's, it's insane. Like I, I can't think of anything else in this game that's better than that rule. Knowing what's going to happen, right? To set up your whole army. Um, or you can trick your opponent because they know you're doing this too, right? So you can play like really aggressive and they think that they're going to have the first turn on the next turn. So they might play cagey anticipating you coming at them harder, right? <clears throat> um, Pardon my voice and everything. I, my kid got really sick, so I think I'm starting to get it a little bit. Plus the herpes in my knee. And <laughs> Christ, you can't commit it to uh, to us via the podcast. No, not yet. just like a petri dish and a speedo. <laughs> but uh, and then the last thing you got to pick when you pick the uh, host of the Ever Chosen is the one of the eight circles for the Varengard. There is one unit of Varengard in this list. Uh, Varengard are basically Archeon's like select chosen generals. It's a unit of three guys on horseback that are just not even horses, they're hellsteeds, and they are just badass. But there's eight different circles that they could be a part of, and it just buffs them. And I think, I don't know, you guys can argue with me about this, but I think the six circles probably the one I like the most. Adding one of the damage inflicted by weapons made with the melee weapons of six circle on, on a turn that they charge. Just to get that added in because I went with the swords for them not to get too ahead of myself but uh, let's go through the list a little bit here so everyone has Mark and Nurgle I got Archeon and he's going to be your general he has to be uh, and then he also gives you a command point extra command point on every turn there's no roll or anything he just gives it to you uh, I gave him the spell of the Mask of Darkness it goes off on a 7 and you just basically relocate a unit to anywhere on the board nine inches away from any enemy model 
lots of armies have access to this and i think it's really key especially when you're only running uh very few units because archeon is 800 points uh to go with him i took a chaos sorcerer lord on foot and he has the mask of darkness as well for when archeon dies or if you really need to like if he's too far ahead to and you want a unit from the backfield to go up um he himself has the ability to allow you to was it re-roll saving rolls you just pick a unit and they can re-roll save rolls of one i believe or re-roll save rolls i think it's just re-roll save rolls isn't it <clears throat> come on now you guys yeah. are supposed to make me look smart sorcerers lets you re-roll save rolls yeah and then there's spell that if you ever manage to get it off you give it to a unit and they re-roll hit and wound rolls which is just devastating so you're obviously going to try to give that to Archeon. And then to follow Archeon up, you want him to keep him as close as possible. You have a Chaos Lord for his command ability, nothing else, to yep. allow Archeon to attack twice. But it's not attack twice in a row. It's when you get to select a model again to attack with, then you can bust it off and you can attack again with a model that's already attacked. Yeah. So for the rare occasions that Archeon can't kill something, or you need to wipe out a screen with Archeon and then push in, to the model that you want to get to. So that's one of the things when you're playing against this list, you want to screen really well because Archeon can push up pretty far. Uh, my battle line units are two units of five Chaos Warriors uh, with Great Blades, Mark and Urgle, a uh, unit of 20 Chaos Marauders for a screen, and they're good on their own. And then one unit of Varengard, which are battle line in this uh, host. And with the Varengard, I went with the encircled weapons. So that gives them the uh, threes and threes, minus one ren, one damage. And there's six attacks each. Hence and that's ensorcelled for our English speakers, by the yeah, way. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lots of English speakers. There's English on this continent. There's English on the other. But um, <laughs> so they get six attacks each. They actually hit on twos if Archeon's on the field. And then they wound on threes minus one. And then if the charge, that's why I went for the six circle for the two damage on each one of those as opposed to one. Because I think you really want to add that on to that particular uh, weapon. And to, for my seventh unit is a Chaos War Shrine with the Marker Nerval. And again, this is all for Archeon. And the Chaos War Shrine is just on a three up. He, the prayer is answered, and it's an 18-inch range when he's fully uh, up to full wounds. And you allow it to add one to the save rolls of the unit and re-roll save rolls of one, I believe. Yes. So you're going to put that on Archeon, so he's going to be on three up, re-rolling saves, uh, hopefully re-rolling hits and wounds, and hopefully attacking twice. So the attack twice, the re-roll saves and getting plus one to a save can't be ignored by magic so that's the big part about that and then i went with the plague touch warband so the only statistic behind that is everyone has to be nurgle you have to have seven units praise nurgle and you just turn that list into a one drop list with that and then sixes when anytime any opponent hits you and sixes are they take a mortal wound after or d3 mortal wounds after all Actually, I think it's just one, actually. No, it's D3. Um, and then the other, the general abilities that they can give out with Nurgle is, uh, where is it? 
Nurgle's big ability is uh, minus one, or is uh, when uh, I just had pulled up. Where Add one to damage inflicted. Yeah, sixes to six sixes to wound are plus one damage, and yeah. uh, the general ability is minus one to be minus hit one, yeah. from missile yeah. weapons specifically. Missiles only, yeah. Right. So Archeon's gonna be doing that on himself yeah. for the most part, or actually putting on to the. He actually uh, gets all the benefits, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, and the the Varengard as well are a really good target for this to add another damage onto their weapons because they're going to be rolling enough dice that you should be getting some sixes. You can fish out sixes. Yeah. Basically, um, Archeon is just, you pick your right moment, you know when you have the double turn, and you go in, you wipe out that screen or that big unit that's protecting something you want to get to, and then you just take the second turn and wipe out what you need to and gut the whole army. So you sit back, wait for your turn that you need to do that, and just wipe them up. So I played this, when my buddy played this list against me, he actually, I thought he didn't have the second turn. It turned out he did. And he just flubbed on his hit because he could have wiped out six flares and gotten right to my Terrorgeist in two turns. Easy. And that would have been the game. That was like two major units. And, uh, but yeah, I, this list has gone to tournaments and it's doing really well. And I could see why in the hands of someone who's really good. Because Archeon himself is really hard. And then if you're taking the first turn, you're getting all those buffs off on him. So it's really hard to eliminate him on that. I, I do want to toss out just a little bit of a wet blanket. Uh, Archeon does not get all of the Auras of Chaos. Uh, the rules specifically say if you select a unit with more than one Mark of Chaos keyword, to be a part of your army, you must pick one that will apply for the duration of the battle. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just as yeah, a... Yeah, sorry. Still, I mean, the, the, the Nerva one is yeah. extremely oh. good. Yeah, that's very good. I just wanted to make sure that we, like, that's the one thing about Archeon is, if God, if he could give out all four buffs, it would be fucking hey, awesome. Hey, five. Thematically, undivided. you figure he could. Yeah, but each, each battle... He can, he you just he have to pick which one. He yeah. has them all. Yep. He just can't use them all at once because he can't talk that fast. Yep. But, for Korn, yeah, like, for Nurgle, for Zeech, for Slanesh, for all of them. Just wanted to wet blanket that one a little bit, but uh, no, Thank it's uh, it's done, uh, like they said it's done very well at tournaments. This one has just because a souped up Archeon when he when he goes off will fucking you know he will kill stuff real fast and real dead. So there's nothing wrong with playing a souped up Archeon. And that does hand out little mortal wounds too. Yeah, but little mortal wounds and his war scroll in and of itself uh, probably oh, it's worth monstrous. talking about. Given that he's an 880 point model, <laughs> you get a command point for him. He has the ability to shuff off uh, spell effects. I think on like a four plus. His yeah, so a four to five. Well, when every time he allocate mortal wounds to him on a four to five, he ignores them, and on yep. a six, he shoots it back at the enemy that gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on a four plus, he ignores the effects of a spell or endless spell that affects him if you want him to. Uh, you have to reroll uh, hit rolls a six for attacks that target him, uh, which is devastating. Of, well, my Terrorgeist, my Ghoul King on Terrorgeist, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, How many so, sixes yeah. I rolled that I had to reroll, which would have been six mortal wounds. Was... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that is like a, a thing that's worth uh, worth knowing that uh, that he is an 880 point war scroll with a boatload of stuff. He's got three heads on his dragon mount that do different things. So like in saying a souped up Archeon, if you haven't read his war scroll, go on the games workshop website and read it. You can get a better idea of exactly what a two attacking Archeon with like buffs and things like that can look like. And I was mistaken too, uh, with the war shrine, you get him to a two up. Right. Rerolling. So, 
So yeah, just to add more to that. Uh, he does a buttload, and he can straight up kill a hero. If need be. Sure. Oh, my God, yeah. And he just straight up gets rid of uh, Endless Spell, too, which is really key. Yep, he'll eat one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's uh, my list of just stacking all your chips into one guy and doing it. Honestly, makes me like when I read him again, it just like it takes me back to when I first got the book and I was trying to find a way to make this list work. And Archeon was so intoxicating. Uh, it makes me want to go buy Archeon. <laughs> that model is fantastic. Because he's fun, man. He's just fun. Like he, he probably is makes whoever you're playing with him. You know, like that has to face him. Probably want to like you know throw themselves out a window, but um, he's fun, man. He's just cool. How can you not like this giant dude? Right. All right, Price finishes out on something cool and informative and yeah. fun and sexy. All right, so Neato. I am running the Knights of the Empty Throne, which is a faction that was introduced in Wrath of the Everchosen. And what that is, is it's a Varengard faction focus that specifically does not include Archeon. Uh, to go over their battle traits really quickly, um, the Varengard in a Knights of the uh, Empty Throne list, if it doesn't include Archeon, get the hero keyword. Unfortunately, they don't get lookouts there, uh, which is a bit sad, but they do get access to artifacts of power and command traits. They have a really cool command ability where at the end of your charge phase, you have to pick an enemy unit uh, within 12 of a friendly Knights of the Empty Throne unit. If that unit controls an objective, you roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in the unit, and for each 3-plus until the end of the battle, the number of models in that unit uh, are reduced by 1 when the counting to determine objectives. So if it's like 30 models, you roll 30 dice, and for every 3-plus, you subtract 1 from their strength for controlling objectives. Uh, so it's a way to play a kind of an elite army and get around some of the objective controlling things. Uh, and then the other really fun thing is when a Knights of the Empty Throne Vanguard unit is destroyed, this is their command ability. You get to roll a dice and on a five plus, you get to add a new Knights of the Empty Throne Vanguard unit of three models to your army on the battlefield from the edges following normal edge restrictions. So on a five plus, when you lose a unit, you could possibly get three more Vanguard back. Uh, <laughs> pretty rad so my list is i have a six-man unit of knights of the empty throne varengard unit another six-man unit a three-man unit of uh varengard i have bellacor if you listen to our podcast at all bellacor is fucking awesome and put him every list to play because he fucks with your opponent's stuff and it's great any chance price not. has he's gonna bring him in oh uh, bro bellacor's yeah. my guy uh i'm bellacor gang until i die uh units uh <laughs> I've got three units of five Chaos Warriors with hand, weapon, and shield for battle line. Bare minimum, these guys basically just sit on backfield objectives. Uh, they've got a nice little save after save with the shield, and they're 90 points and 10 wounds each. So for a, you know, a small investment, 270 points, I'm covering my battle line, and I can sit on some objectives. And I also in this list take a unit of Untamed Beasts, a nine-man unit. The entire reason these guys exist is they get a pregame movement. And so basically what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to get a screen out so that if uh, my opponent plays a really heavy alpha strike, I can put something in between the Varen guard and whatever they might be alpha striking with. It's a 70-point investment. I think it's worth taking. So uh, to get into kind of the what's interesting about this list, because obviously it's a fairly low model count light army, my first unit is uh, the general, and they have a command trait called Inescapable Doom 
And so what inescapable doom is, is the enemy units within three inches of this general cannot retreat. So basically I have a big six man unit of Vanguard that if I want to, I can spread wide, tag multiple units and stop my opponent from retreating, uh, which allows me to move around the battlefield more with my other two units. And then my second unit of six has the grasping plate. So what that does is this unit is eligible to fight when in the combat phases if within six inches of an enemy unit uh, instead of three, and it gets to move an additional three inches when it piles in. So basically it can pile in and activate from six instead of three, which means that I get to take this unit and position them where I want them to, and then I pile into you without having to deal with anything you might be able to do in the charge phase, like uh, say handgunners can stand and fire, uh, or if you have weird tricks, because they're not charging, you won't get to act in that phase. And so basically what I do is I have one big Vanguard unit, or Vanguard unit, uh, who is Mark of Nurgle. Uh, that's my general, so they've got minus one to be hit with shooting. And they're my trapping unit. They go out, they lock stuff down, they hold things up. Uh, and as we talked about in Dayton's list with Vanguard, uh, they have a lot of different options. I've gone with, on pretty much all of mine, uh, what weapon choice did I take? Um, I went with ensorcelled weapons on almost all of them. It's only one damage in my list, but with six attacks apiece, a uh, six-man unit is generating 36 attacks, so not too bad, not not too shabby. Uh, my smaller unit, I went with Mark of Porn, and I actually gave them the Fell Spears, which are their lances, so they're kind of there to clean up and hopefully sweep for the unit that's locking people in place. And then... Um, my other six-man unit that can pile in from six, I've gone back and forth on Nurgle and Slanesh on them. Slanesh basically gets exploding sixes to hit, where Nurgle gets exploding sixes to do extra damage. So uh, it's kind of a toss-up. I think Nurgle's probably the better option there. Um, and so, yeah, the other thing with this list, and kind of one of the things I thought about when I wrote it, is one of the big concerns, I think, especially as tournaments start to come back eventually, Traveling to tournaments can be a bit challenging, depending on the list that you take. It can be hard to fit your models, especially if you're flying and not driving. And so I kind of sat down to write a list of, hey, what was something I could put in a case that would go in an overhead really easily, fairly low model count. Um, and I, I came up with this list, which I think it's a fun list. It's got big, punchy knight models, uh, some small infantry core, uh, and a bellicore core just to infuriate your opponent for at least one turn. Um, but, yeah, so okay. that is my Knights of the Empty Throne uh, Slaves to Darkness list. I think it's pretty fun. Uh, it's a god-awful expensive because Varengard costs a gajillion dollars. Um, but, yeah. 120 Canadian yeah, for 100, three? 100 U.S. <laughs> so you're looking at, uh, what's that, 200, 200, 400, about $500 in just Varengard. But the good news <laughs> is that's almost your entire army, so... You don't really have Yay. to spend a lot after that. <laughs> they're on uh, 50 mil bases, right? Yeah, there's some big junky fuckers. Uh, yeah. Archeon is 165. If, if, if I miss my him. guess, he's, he's the most out. expensive. He is the most expensive AOS kit there is. Yep. So, But yeah, so that's my list. Uh, I would play this a list in a heartbeat. It's fast. It's fun. And for the sake of tournaments, one of the things you do kind of want to think about is how long does it take me to play a game, right? You can have an amazing army, but if it takes you forever to play the game, it can A, lead to mental fatigue, and B, it can just be tough to score the points that you need to move through a tournament. 
Uh, this list, you're either going to win pretty quick or you're going to lose pretty quick. The good news is you're drinking either way. Yeah, you know? that's what I was just going to lead into. Uh, or yeah. for the guys that want to drink a lot. Right, yeah, if you want to drink a lot too, Great Army. Because like, it, <laughs> it smashes stuff, it's fast, it's furious, it packs up, it unpacks. You know, yep. I consider this. I consider this to be a tournament-friendly army. It's probably uh, a four-and-one on the absolute best side. More than likely, a three-and-two style list. But you can go to a tournament and have a fuckload of fun at three-and-two, and make great friends, tell great stories, and get real drunk. So, party at the old points fully endorses Price's list to encourage you to drink more at tournaments. Yep, as long as you're friendly. Correct. Don't don't be a mean alcoholic, and if you are, stop drinking at tournaments. Yeah, just stop uh, drinking agreed. in general. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's not for you. <laughs> no cats to wrap sheet over a beer. Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a Canadian ginger ale. Yeah. I'm like looking Sweet. at the Vanguard models right now because I've seen them before, but I'm looking at the close-ups on the website, and God damn, they have some cool weapons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're cool, man. They're I, great. That's for- the direction I initially went was – you know, trying to do host of the ever chosen. I just loved it. That's definitely what I would prefer, but um, it was at the time, it was almost impossible to even make a legal list. I, they were I so fucking expensive. I've never really looked at it, but their ensorcelled weapons are relatively God themed. Like they're each one of them has like a demonic weapon from their specific God. It's just like a corn weapon that looks like the blood letter sword. There's a Zinch weapon, which looks like the, um, kind of like the zinch like axe pole arms that they sometimes wield there's the nurgle plague sword that one of them carries which is oh, pretty dope different all the head options they have yeah. their mounts are awesome yep yeah They're cool models just big motherfuckers yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, if you want to play an army of big motherfuckers play this list if you oh, okay. make a specialized case you can uh you can transport that army oh easily like Sorry, I was in, wrong. In They're Dayton's not on fifty army. mils. They're on seventy-five by uh, seventy-five ovals. Yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> the model count of this is awesome because you're talking. Uh, let's see, 12, 13, 14, 15, 30, 41 models. So you can get this thing Funny. painted up pretty quick once you spend your five hundred. Yeah, man. Uh, for all your gold trim, use AK Interactive True Metals. It's just the easiest covering metallic paints out there and they're covered in plate pretty well so if you're going with a single god mark you just pick like a a muted color that kind of matches the god theme spray that and then go back and do some trim work and some washes and you'll be there man because like nurgle would look so good with like kind of like a a like a faded green in the armor plates that would look real good, man. Yeah, the Nurgle sword that the guy has, too. Heck, That's yeah. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right, these guys are right up my line. Oh, they show you the sh- the size comparison, too, towards yeah, all that, the other mounts. That was cool, yeah. <laughs> I guess this doesn't make for good radio, but uh, whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're just we're just jerking well, off to hey, these models over here. what was the battalion here. you used, Dayton? I forgot. Uh, the Nurgle Warband or whatever it is. Plague okay. Touched. Touch. Plague Warband. Touched, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just need seven mortal units and more of them has to be a hero. And it's a one drop. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so, all right, let me... So, that of that seven, they don't have to be not heroes. Right. Son of a bitch. 
So you just need, you have to make sure you have one you have hero. You have at least one, yep. but it could be three. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't, there's nothing specifying. So they, mm-hmm. it, they do make it easy that for you to one drop juicy. it. And everyone loves like a one drop list. Yeah. Thought they were taking it away out of the game, but nope. Going back. There you go. Back and no. forth on that shit, and I have no idea which direction I want to go. In I know, like some and armies, they just really, are like, you know what, you're never going first. Go fuck yourself. It really. And then like other armies are, you know what, man, you should always go first, and it is not right that you don't. It is fucking bananas when you get a book. And I know. Like, hey, the, we didn't give you good battalions, so. Yeah, the writers for AOS are so bipolar. I have no idea what's going on. There's two. None. There's two it's writers. Because, it's because there's two teams and they have information <laughs> yeah. silos. There's two, there's two book writer teams and there's the good one and the bad one. And it's yeah, always like when you them, open up your book, them, you're like, which one like did educated, I get? educated and the other one is like, you know, a mental case. <laughs> yeah, they did that with OCR Bone Reapers and Ogre Maw Tribes. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's your two writers. I wonder who they wanted to win that fight. Well, yeah. so I, I don't even think it's that. It's, I don't think there's like a thing where they're intentionally favoring something. I think the problem is you have one writer who's writing with like a, a whole different Balance. bent of thought. And then and because they don't share information, right? Because if they shared information, they would have looked at the Ogre book and the, orcs, the Ogre. Oh, somebody uh, that Orkland. edits the shit, you know, that looks at everything Sorry, this and is not edits it. The Sigmar podcast, guys. I just, uh, this no, let's, let's rip on is, uh, GW. I'm good. Uh, this particular part of GW frustrates me on a regular. I don't know. They're earning it. They're going out of their way to earn it right now, in my opinion. Uh, we can go out on a high note. Uh, you guys getting hyped for the TSN series or what? Uh, yes, I'm very excited to watch that and some of the stuff that uh, Rob has put on. He's got mm-hmm. his first. Uh, he's got his first teams previews that he put up, yep. which is very very exciting. So Two of them really... right now: Dragon Slayers and Marauders, or something. Yep. Like that. Yep. And those Very those cool. characters, the rollouts and the names and stuff, yeah. like they're they're trying real hard. Well, they're leaning into the sports <laughs> element of it, which is fucking yeah. cool. It's so much fun. So those nerd stances yeah. are great. Yeah, I I, I feel it, it's disappointing for me just because, like, I, I mean, it's not. It hasn't translated to the U.S. yet, of course. Well, this is the very but, first one they're running, yeah. so we won't see I know, it. I know. No. But I mean, my, the, I know, but I mean, that's why I'm kind of saying that, you know, it, my disappointment is a little bit off base, but. Um, well, we want like, it to be successful. We are not in. Will be. Yeah, we're not in a position to participate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not you yet. know, like I, I can't, it's, I'm, I'm bummed because it's like, oh, they're having awesome times. And I know that it's not going to happen here. Well, it you will know? at some point. At some point, if this shit ever gets under control, well, even though, no, even then, I mean, like if events, if we go backwards and events get canceled for another fucking year, party at the all points says wear a fucking mask. Um, yeah. like a <laughs> hundred. Yeah, no shit. Wear. Stop if fucking listen, around, man. If you if you listen to our podcast and you don't wear a mask, uh, and I ever see you at an event, I'll fight you. <laughs> you you I mean, talk to me and tell me that you don't, didn't wear a mask during COVID, <laughs> and I will fucking fight you. So, you know, you wear your seatbelt, right? You know, so you, we, we talked about that last episode because there's only 10, uh, 11, 12 people in the room for their matches, right? Because everyone else is yeah. behind in camera work and stuff. So that it is, it is yeah, actually, I mean, and that, that does help the situation, but I mean, it's just people have like, I mean, I can speak to some degree of experience on this, you know, like my own personal circle of players has been badly eroded due to personal views 
you know, like not my own, but other people's personal views on their unwillingness to take any kind of chances, which is totally understandable. But that means that, you know, the normal circle of activity is reduced. All right. So the people that I might have been able to get a game with, they're not they're not around and they're not going to be around. So, you know, that's that's a problem. Right. Stop being stupid. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Yeah. Flu season's coming. Fucking get yeah. tested. I just tested you know, my two-year-old just, son who had a high fever because you just can't. You can't help it. but wonder that if people had just stopped bitching and just just done it, if we would have been in a better spot. But that's it's pointless speculation. But uh, all right, guys. Uh, my son does not have COVID. It came back negative. Yay! <laughs> there, that's ending on a high note. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in for episode fourteen of Party at the All Points talking about a faction that parties really hard at the eight points so so yeah there we go uh hopefully it was good and we'll see you guys go buy slaves to darkness get uh get archeon he's cool yeah get those stds tons of nights (laughs) uh just price wear a mask see you guys later take care boys adios